Well, we're going to continue on in our series on prayer, and uh, this is our second last week, and uh, we will be uh, moving on to getting ready for Easter after next week, and I'm excited about that, uh, that series as well. We'll be telling you more about that in the next week or so, uh, but we're going to c- get wrap up this series on prayer. I trust it's been helpful to you. I think it's been very practical, and uh, I've, been, I've really enjoyed um, preparing for it and uh, being able to share it with you, and it's been a learning experience for me as well, so I trust it's been good for you. Today we're going to talk specifically about one kind of prayer. It's probably the world's most popular prayer. That's what I entitled my message today, the world's most popular prayer, at, or the number one prayer, and it's the prayer for healing. You know, Philip Yancey says more than half of the spontaneous prayers I have heard in church pertain to the sick. You know, whenever I've been in a group of people and and we're going to pray about something, we're going to pray, we're going to have a prayer meeting or whatever, almost always we end up praying for someone who is sick. It's probably the first thing that comes to our mind. And it's not a wrong thing. It's a good thing. Um, but what happens? You know, we're, our whole question in this series that we've been following along, tracking along with Philip Yancey in his book, Prayer, uh, Does It Make a Difference? The question is, when we pray for the sick, when we pray for healing, does it make a difference? Um, is it really worth praying for healing? Or is it just something we're just doing to make ourselves feel good or to feel better or to think more positively? Or, you know, you hear people say nowadays, um, I'm sending positive energy your way. Is, uh, is praying for healing just a way of sending po- positive energy? Nothing wrong with positive energy. Uh, but is, is that what, is that all that there is to prayer? Or can we really count on prayer for the sick as being something that we can, we can count on? Now, my upbringing, in church was always to believe in the power of God to heal. And um, regularly, probably almost every service, there was prayer for people for healing. So I grew up kind of with this idea that prayer for the sick and for healing was something you just took for granted. But that's not everybody's case. A lot of people just are kind of doubtful about it and, and, and don't uh, and wonder about it. And as I grew up and as I kind of became more exposed to things and I became older... Um, and maybe a bit more mature and a little bit more questioning, I began to look at some of the inconsistencies, even in our belief in the healing, in healing and prayer. Um, you know, when I grew up, um, we uh, we had lots of times, like I said, for people praying for people who were sick, and uh, and sometimes those were very fruitful, and 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 sometimes they weren't. When I was 10 years old, my mother took me here to Ottawa. I lived in Brockville area, and uh, she, we, we took the long trip to Ottawa, <laughs> and uh, we came to, um, to uh, a stadium here in Ottawa, and we saw Catherine Kuhlman. Now, now I'm really dating myself. Does anybody know who Catherine Kuhlman is? Yeah, there's a few of you that know who Catherine Kuhlman is. Okay, she was this, she had flaming red hair, and she always wore white long gowns with big long trailing white sleeves. So she she kind of had this this kooky angelic look, like she was dressed in a costume. And she had a really dramatic way of speaking. But her whole ministry, she was a preacher, and uh, and her whole ministry was based on this idea of praying for the sick and people being healed. And she would have stadiums full of people, and she would say, "Oh, there's someone up there, and you've had you've had a healing of this, and you've had a healing of that." And then they'd bring them down, and they, you know, kind of uh, pray them across the platform. She talked to them, you know, and 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 she was she was kind of. Uh, some might call her a faith healer. I wouldn't say that, because I think faith healing is a little bit more kooky. But uh, but she was kooky. <laughs> but th- there were genuine healings that took place 
in her ministry. So when I was young, that was very impactful for me. But there were also some questions that came. When I was, uh, when I was probably about 12, 11 or 12, our, our pastor, his son, had a diving accident and, uh, and broke his neck and was, was paralyzed, uh, um, was a quadri- became a quadriplegic. And, uh, and as a church, we kind of rallied around and began praying. And we had a series of prayer meetings, like what went on every night for I don't know how many weeks or maybe even months, but I know we were, as a family, we were at the church praying for our pastor's son and, um, and I believe he's still living today, and he's still a quadriplegic. Um, you know, even though the church gathered and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, it didn't change his circumstances. I also had experiences, you know, I have a cousin who is uh, deaf in one ear, and um, <clears throat> and he was... Uh, we had some kind of guest speaker in, and there was prayer for the sick, and there was a, a lot of enthusiasm in the service, a lot of energy in the service, I guess, and maybe, maybe even a bit of fanaticism going on in the service. I don't know, uh, but he was prayed for, and and he claimed in that service that he could hear out of his deaf ear, and uh, the next morning he couldn't. And so these kind of questions came to me, and I've had to wrestle with my whole life: Is it does it work? Does it not work? Is it, you know, is it something we can count on? So kind of from my own experience and from what I read in, uh, in Philip Yancey's book um, on this subject, I'm just going to share with you just some thoughts. It's not, a, it's not an all-inclusive theology of healing and prayer, but it's just some thoughts that I want to just share with you this morning to encourage you and to give us maybe a broad look at this, this topic of healing prayer. The first thing I want you to note is that every healing that takes place, no matter what kind of healing it is, whether it's as a result of prayer or whether it's the result of a, of, a, of a doctor's ability to bring healing, no matter what, every healing is a sign of what the kingdom of God is all about. Every healing, every, every, every instance of wellness in our life is a picture <clears throat> of what the kingdom of God is all about. In Revelations 21, verse 5, when it gives kind of an outlook to the future, and, 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 and John uh, has this vision, he sees Jesus standing there, and he is saying, look, I am making everything new. And that's what God is about. That's what the kingdom of God is about. It's about restoration. It's about healing. It's about, it's about the, 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 the restoring of everything back to what it should be, what it could be, what it was meant to be. It's taking everything back to the, to the origin of creation, to the Garden of Eden, where there is health, where there is vibrancy, where there is, where there's abundance, where there is joy, where there is peace, and where there is complete wellness in every way. So when Jesus, when we read in the Gospels, when Jesus goes around and he heals people, every one of those is a sign of what is to come. That's a sign of what God is doing and what he is about. So faith should rise in our heart when we think about our prayer, our our life of prayer and the prayer of healing for people, for ourselves and for those who are close to us, is this is God's will. It's always God's will. You can, you, can, you, can, you can bet your stripes on it that is always God's plan and purpose for people and for the earth and all of creation to be well 
And because, because that is the work of the kingdom of God. That's the work of Jesus to restore all things to their perfection, to their beauty, to their uh, rightful place. Second thing I want to just mention, and we won't spend a lot of time on this because we've talked about it before, but when we see sickness, when we see illness, when we see disease, when we see brokenness in our world, it does not necessarily point to a flaw in a person. This is, this is kind of a, 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 something that, I don't know, it just kind of runs deep in our psyche that we kind of, when we see something that is flawed or something that is broken or something that is diseased, we think, okay, that, that person must deserve it in some kind of way. This is something that goes right back to the Bible. In Jesus' day, if you read in John chapter 9, there's a story there where, where they come across a man who's born blind, and, and Jesus is with his disciples, and his disciples immediately ask him, just assuming, they're making an assumption. They said, who sinned, this man or his parents? Whose fault is it that this man is like this? And Jesus said, neither. It's not the fault of anyone. This is, this is, this is not the fault of any one person. And so it's wrong for us to go around, and when we see people that are broken or sick, or, uh, and when people don't necessarily get well when they're prayed for, it is wrong for us to make an assumption that there is some kind of sin or some kind of flaw or some kind of lack of faith or something that's going on there. there the, 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 the world of, of, the, of the spiritual realm, of the kingdoms of darkness, the kingdom of God, the, the interplay that is going there is far too mysterious for us to understand to be able to point to a cause. And we always want to do that. We always want to find out what's wrong in a situation so we can fix it. You know, we always want to know why did this happen? And we like to lay blame on things so that we can go and we can fix it. And some things, I think even Jesus had to realize that some things just aren't fixable at this time and in this place. That's just a reality of the, the spiritual dimension that we live in. Because not everything happens because we did something, but there are what Paul calls powers and principalities and authorities in dark places that are at work as well. And so we have to realize that when we should never point our finger at someone. Philip Yancey says it this way, Some Christians, it seems, presume that suffering betrays a flaw in the afflicted person. Either the sufferer is being punished for some sin or lack of healing because of an adequate faith. This is a very misguided thing to quickly lay blame on someone because of their sickness or because of their illness, either for them. Um, but at the same time, sin, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, sin can block answers to prayer. And so it's up to the person to examine your own heart. It's up to us. It's not for us, for us to judge, but when we find ourselves in those situations, we ought to examine our own heart. We ought to, ought to check our own heart. And we need to stand before God and say, Lord, is there anything I'm contributing to this situation that is standing in the way of healing? Because it is possible, but it's wrong for us to pass judgment on others in those situations. Uh, saying that, that this is caused by someone's sin is not a catch-all for all the situations we find ourselves. Thirdly, I want you to note that, that uh, healing is a completely natural occurrence. Healing is what is meant to happen. Just like it's always, uh, you can always guarantee it's God's will for healing to take place, healing is also a very natural occurrence. 
Disease is unnatural. Disease, sickness, viruses, bacteria, anything that causes uh, 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 the breakdown of our human system is, is unnatural. It's always, it's, 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 it's always something that's warring against our flesh. You understand what I'm saying? It's our bodies were made to be well and they're made to heal. It always amazes me how quickly our bodies can heal themselves. And, you know, if you go and you, you, you know, you're, you go home and you're making lunch and you're slicing the tomato for your nice bacon, lettuce, tomato sandwich, you know, and the knife slips and it slits your finger, right? You can be almost guaranteed, if you are a healthy person, that that is going to heal, Right? Unless you have some kind of, you know, um, problem with your, your hemoglobin or with your, you have diabetes or something like that. In most cases, that is automatically going to begin to heal itself immediately. It's going to, it's your, your, your blood is going to coagulate around the wound and it's going to dry up and then it's going to start to heal and it's going to sew itself back together. Right? That's, the, that's, that's nature at work. That's how God, he actually built healing into our bodies. So when we, when we, <clears throat> when we understand that, we, we understand that's what normal is. That's, what, that's what, what should be happening in our bodies all the time. So when God works, when doctors work, when we make healthy choices in our life, we are actually cooperating with the natural process that is already in our bodies. And that's a good thing. That's healing. That's what God intended for us. And it's a completely natural occurrence. And we talked about this last week, but that studies have proven that prayer and other spiritual practices aid in the healing of the body. If you're a person of prayer, you're more likely to get to be healed. You're more likely to become well or to live well. You're to live healthier. Remember I said last week 20, that people that go to church uh, have a 25% chance of living longer than others, okay? So just coming to church this morning, you may be added a year or two to your life, okay? And there's probably reasons I had an interesting Top, uh, discussion with about that with someone afterwards and said, well, why would that be? What's the difference? Well, oftentimes it's healthier choices, I guess. I don't know. But here's something interesting. Uh, <clears throat> Philip Yancey, he quotes, or he talks about Dr. Harold Koning, who at the time of the writing of the book was the head of Duke University Center for Study of Religion, Spirituality, and Health. And he wrote a book entitled The Healing Power of Faith. And, and Philip Yancey said, just look at the chapter titles of the book. And he listed them. He said, Here's, here are the chapter titles of this book written by someone from Duke University. Religious people have stronger marriages and families. Religious people have healthy lifestyles. Religious people cope well with stress. Religion offers protection from depression and helps those affected recover quickly. Religion may protect from serious cardiovascular disease. Religious people live longer, healthier lives. Religious people may have stronger immune systems. And religious people use fewer expensive hospital services. You see, when we, when we incorporate our spiritual practices into our, and, and cooperate with our bodies, um, uh, natural process of healing, 
we, we, we are able to, um, to see results of that. Next, I want to just mention that every incurable thing is curable. Nothing is outside of God's ability to understand and to know and to cure and to heal. Psalm 139, verse 14 says, I praise you. The psalmist says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Our creator knows everything about our bodies and how they are meant to work, how they were designed to work, and he knows what, what, um, what process can take place within our bodies to bring healing and curing. You know, there are a lot of things uh, in the past that doctors said and others said that's just completely incurable. You can't be cured from that. You can't um, be cured from, from certain diseases. But now we know that there's a cure. Interestingly, just this week, we saw in the news that, that doctors are claiming that the second person um, has been cured of AIDS. And, uh, and that's obviously very preliminary, but I mean, a few years ago, uh, in my lifetime, not very long ago, you know, if you got AIDS, that was just a death sentence. But you see, but, but AIDS is curable, cancer is curable. You see, all we have to do to, to, to find the cure for those things is we have, to, we have to tap into what God already knows and God already understands. And this is the basis of healing. This is why prayer works, is because, because God knows how to heal your body. It's not a trick of magic. It's not like God is some kind of uh, uh, wizard or, or whatever that knows the right spell to bring him. He, know, he knows you, and he knows your body, and he knows how you are made, and he knows how to make healing happen because he understands the very essence of your body and who you are and how to unlock the healing process. So sometimes I believe, and Philip Yancey really challenged me on this, sometimes what we need to pray for, I think, is not so much that there's an outside force that comes to heal us, but that, that, that the, the inner healing mechanisms of our body are, are released to be able to bring healing into these areas of our lives. Because it's all in there. God's already encoded our bodies with the ability to heal themselves. And I believe there will be a day that we may still, you know, in the, in the coming kingdom, as the, 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 the kingdom of God unfolds and as we enter into the fully uh, lived out kingdom where, where, where there may be still things that will, will cause problems, but we will heal ourselves because it's all right there. It's, it's, in the, it's in all of creation, not just in our bodies, but it's in, it's in, in, in creation to heal itself, for a polluted river to heal itself, for, for, for uh, uh, you know, the, the, the mountainside of a volcano to, to bring new life forth out of that, that volcano. You know, blueberries grow best where there's been a forest fire. Life comes out of tragedy, and that's the healing process that takes place. It's right in there in creation, and God knows it. He understands it. You see, maybe Jesus' ability to heal wasn't just some kind of magic going on. And that's sometimes, I think, how people picture uh, healing. And that's why, <clears throat> that's why sometimes people are, are, are gullible about some faith healers and some of the things that they ask you to do. And, you know... <clears throat> 
you know, send me, send me $50 and I'll send you a little, a little, uh, piece of cloth from some relic that they found in the Holy Land and you just put it on your afflicted area and you'll be healed. Like it's a, a little magic charm. You know, they have these little things or they'll send you a little bit of water from the Jordan River and, 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 People get into thinking that this is, this is like some form of magic or some kind of little trick that happens that if you get the right little formula, then you'll get your healing. That's not where healing comes from. I don't believe that's where healing comes from. You don't need those things. You don't need to send anybody any money to get healing. You don't need to send anybody any money to get prayer. And, and this is something that many people in my lifetime have been really duped about because there's this concept that it's magic it's like some magic little formula. It's not. It's God working along with creation and, 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 and actually accelerating the creative forces within our bodies. Miracles brought about by prayer should not surprise us because God is at work. God knows our bodies. He knows who we are. And I think that's what generally people believe. Um, Philip Yancey says eight in ten Americans believe that miracles happen today, and more than half of all doctors report observing miracles in their patients that defy medical explanation. It happens. It works. And then overzealous and untruthful or exaggerated claims of healing are unhelpful. I take you to Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, where we have the Ten Commandments. And the second commandment says, You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. Now, you know, in old-fashioned language, that's taking the Lord's name in vain, which we often have equated with people swearing, you know, using the Lord's name, using Christ's name, or using God's name to, to, to curse and damn others. And that's what we, we, in our culture, we've kind of said that's what that, that, that commandment is about. But that commandment is also about attaching the Lord's name to anything that is, that is not truthful or helpful in, in a way. And I think a lot of people have abused the name of God when they claim things that happen or God has told them things and that those things have not happened. And there has been a lot of deception in the area of faith healing and praying for the sick. And we need to be understand that there is no value in exaggerating or being untruthful about that. You know, I think a lot of people have been hurt. Many Christians are, have taken the Lord's name in vain when they have pretended that maybe they have received a healing. Or worse yet, those people, those spiritual people in spiritual leadership, pastors and preachers and others who have, who have you know, doctored up um, healing kind of uh, things. Because often what happens for uh, faith healers or people that have a ministry of healing is it doesn't work 100% of the time, right? But they'll build an empire on it. They'll build a whole, they'll build their life on the idea that they can pray for people and people will get well. Well, what happens when people aren't getting well? Well, then your, 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 your support, your, 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 your pray, the praise that comes your way, the adoration that comes your way in that kind of role starts to diminish and you don't want that to, so you start creating it. So, so you know, we, we've all, I, you know, heard stories about, you know, these, these faith healers that are up there and they're, they're, um, they're, you know, they're 
claiming there are things happening within the audience, and but they got a little thing in their ear, and the people have talked to the people in the audience beforehand, and they've gotten personal information about them, and they're just communicating that information to the, to the speaker up there so he can look like he's operating in a spiritual gift, and he's not operating in a spiritual gift. He's operating in a very human, deceptive way, and that's taking the Lord's name in vain. And that's, that's, that, is, that is something that is very unhelpful. When I was young, one of the, the TV preachers that was very popular, um, the couple were uh, Jim and Tammy Faye Baker at the PTL Club. I don't know if you, anybody remember them. That's a long time ago. And here's a little story that, um, that Philip Yancey told. I think this is comical. But this kind of shows you how extreme... Some of these people go, and we all know that the, the bakers were discredited and, and charged with things, um, uh, fraudulent things, and, uh, and, and Jim Baker went to prison. And he's back on TV now, but anyway, that's another story for another day. As a young journalist, this is Philip Yancey, said, I had encounters with faith healing both farcical and tragic. In the heyday of the PTL Club television program, I heard Tammy Faye Baker tearfully describe the trauma of her little dog, Chi-Chi who ate too many lima beans and fell over dead. She said, I thought my world had come to an end, said Tammy Faye. When her prayers that God raised Chi-Chi from the dead were unanswered, Tammy Faye came to terms with it by realizing, and and he quotes, the fact was that Chi-Chi was a naughty little dog, and God knew that if he took him, then that would be the end of wetting all over the room. (laughs) It's It's farcical. But then he goes on to tell a story about a group of churches called Faith Assembly Churches. I'm not familiar with them, but he talks about them as a journalist, where, where the extreme of healing, of faith healing, was taken to the point where doctors and medical um, practices were shunned. That was sinful, that you're not to do that. You're not to see a doctor. You're not to, not to take your children to doctors. You're not to seek medical. And this is an extreme side of this kind of teaching, of this faith healing. It says, uh, where parents refused treatment for their kids, some of them were, were, some of the kids died and criminal charges were brought against them. And he says, medical researchers determined that infant mortality rate for faith assembly churches was three times the normal. And at least 125 children died after medical treatment was withheld. And the mortality rate associated with childbirth was 100 times greater. You see, there's no benefit, there's no glory in, in being deceptive in this area. We need to live within reality. Yes, God heals. Yes, there are healings, but sometimes there's not. And, you know... Um, Philip Yancey says a couple times in this book, you know, there, there are some things people have never been healed of, that there's no record of people being healed of certain diseases. Pancreatic cancer is 100% fatal. And we haven't found a cure for that. And, and there's nobody really that has been able to say, I was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and now I'm better. Uh, that he was able to find anyway. So I think it's just something we need to realize. But let's not take the Lord's name. Let's not use the, the blessing of the Lord's name and what he provides and the power he provides by misusing it and applying it to things that, that are not real. Some would say it's all in your head. 
that this whole thing of faith healing, of praying for the sick, it's just, it's just, you know, like I mentioned earlier, it's just kind of that, like, you know, I'm sending you positive energy, and this positive energy is going to make you better, or whatever. You're going to get positive energy, and you're going to feel better. It's all in your head. <clears throat> well, what's wrong with that? So what if it's all in your head? So what if the healing is in your head? Does that make, does that make it not real? I guess what I'm saying is, is that God uses many different ways. And in fact, in Proverbs 4, verse 23, it says, Be careful how you think, because your life is shaped by your thoughts. Yes, the Bible acknowledges that your thoughts are a powerful force in your ability to live an abundant life. If you're thinking negatively all the time, then you're going to have negative outcomes. If you, have, if you have a positive outlook in your life, if, you, uh, if you're not bound by fear and all those kind of things, if you're living in the abundance that the Lord provides and have that, that energy of faith and trust in God, you're going to be much more likely to live well and be well. That's just, you know, critics claim that healing is just a result of mind tricks, but so what? After all, people can make, people can make themselves sick by the way they think. We acknowledge that, don't we? We call that psychosomatic illnesses, where people actually make themselves sick by, by imagining symptoms, or I don't know how it works. I don't, I, I've never really done it myself, so I, I think every illness I've ever had or any kind of pain I've ever had was real. I don't think I made it up. But you know, the, the symptoms of those things are actually real. In fact, I've seen it where, where, where actually even, even parental caregivers have made their children sick out of psychosomatic things. I remember when I was, when I was uh, earlier in ministry, probably about 20 years ago, we had a, we had a woman who, who brought um, a, a foster child. It was, I think it was her daughter's child or something like that. She was the, the, the guardian of this child. And she brought him for prayer and prayed for him because he had cancer and, uh, and, you know, she was able to convince all kinds of people that he had cancer. And, and um, he even got one of those, you know, uh, make-a-wish trips to Disneyland or whatever because he was about to die. And it turned out that it was all in her head. It was all in her head. And the child was taken away from her because she was seen as an unfit guardian. You see, we can do all of these things with our minds. We can create, we can create illness in our minds. So why can we not... Do the opposite. Why is that? Is a healthy mind. It is a hel- It's a sick mind that would make yourself sick and make your child sick. It's a healthy mind that will make yourself well. And I think that's something that can be supported in the Bible. Modern, modern research is confirming what the Bible and Jesus have taught: that what goes on inside is what makes you who you are and dictates your quality of life. To a great degree, it's what you believe. A friend of, uh, of Philip Yancey's, <clears throat> Dr. Paul Wren, <clears throat> who spent his life treating people with leprosy and has co-written uh, books on suffering with, um, with Philip Yancey, says, it doesn't diminish my respect for God's power in the slightest to realize that God primarily works through our mind to summon up resources of healing in a person's body. Your, the way you think, the way your, your outlook is, is a very 
important part of healing. If you are thinking negatively, you'll live negatively. If you're thinking positively, you will live positively. And wellness comes through that. Then again, another point, don't expect prayer to override natural laws or poor choices. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. There's a theology of the body that goes throughout Scripture that God loves your body. He loves your, your humanity. And he, he longs for us to dedicate our lives to Him, not just our spirits to Him, but our whole self, and to bring our bodies to Him in submission to Him and to His, his laws and to His rules, to be obedient to Him. And, you know, the, 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 the Bible is full of a lot of really good tips about how to take care of your body. You know, you, you look at the Old Testament law, and so much of the Old Testament law to the Israelites was, was about how to keep their bodies healthy. Like simple things that we take for granted today. But it, they were slaves in Egypt for 400 years, and they were told what to do every morning from, morning, from morning till night. They were told what to do by the Egyptians. And they had no, no real ability to think for themselves, and they had lost touch with how to care for themselves. And so... so God had to be really specific when he gave Moses the law about how to, what, how to deal with sanitation, how to wash yourself, how to, what, what you should eat and how you should eat it and how you should prepare your food. You know, you shouldn't eat raw meat. Make sure there's no blood left in the meat um, because it's healthier that way. And, you know, you know don't, don't leave your, your human waste all over the camp. Go outside the camp and bury it. You know, these are just, these are things that to us nowadays, these, these are just logical things that we think about, but, but they're so practical for the, for the community of Israel when they are just freed out of slavery. And the Bible is full of all kinds of things like that, even that pertain to us today about how to treat our bodies and how to care for our bodies. Don't get drunk, the Bible says. Drunkenness is not, is not healthy. And it makes you look stupid. And all other kinds of, you know, the Bible is full. The Bible says just, you know, get married to one person and have sex with that person. You'll have safe sex for your whole life. That's just a really simple thing that the Bible says, but a lot of people struggle with obedience to some of those things. But it's common sense and it's good advice that comes from the scriptures and it's those things that we need to use to cooperate with the Lord in our lives to bring healing and wholeness to our life. You can't expect God to, to heal your bad behavior. You can't expect that God is going to override the natural things that are taking place in your body because you abuse your body. Or the natural things that happen because you're aging. As Philip Yancey says, each of us learns to adapt our prayers to natural laws. A child may pray that a dead cat be brought back to life, or it could be Tammy Faye, and the teacher cancels a scheduled test that his team in the World Cup or the Super Bowl will win, that she suddenly will have green eyes instead of blue eyes. Those are the prayers of a child, right? Bring my cat back to life. Maybe my team will win the... the the NHL. Maybe, you know, maybe there, there are probably kids praying that the Senators will win the Stanley Cup this year. And the natural course of things, that's an impossibility, isn't it? 
I don't want <laughs> But as we mature over time, we learn that God is not a magician who rearranges life to fit our whims. There are some things we have to learn to live with. In terms of physical health, he says, you could say that the power of prayer has limits. No prayer will reverse the aging process. Shucks, eh? No, no prayer will reverse the aging process, banish death, or eliminate the need for nourishment. Or you could say that God has certain rules in motion, and within those rules there exists much potential for physical healing. You see, some of the things that we suffer with and we struggle with can, can be healed by just a change in lifestyle sometimes, a change in our behavior, a cooperation with the natural things. You know, one of the sins that the Bible speaks about um, probably more than any other sin is the sin of overeating, of gluttony, of overindulging, really, in almost anything. Anything you overindulge with in is unhealthy. And you wonder how many of our, our discomforts and our ills could be, could be, um, could be solved and what, what, uh, what healing is available to us if we would cooperate with the natural processes in our life. Finally, the thing that I think that, uh, that Philip Yancey gives us that's very helpful is a checklist for healing. Here's some questions to ask yourself. When you're asking the Lord to heal you, when you're thinking about praying for someone for healing, here's a checklist for you to, 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 to kind of go through. First of all, am I expecting a miracle as an, as an entitlement? Do I think that I deserve this? A lot of people will say, you know, we prayed and God didn't answer. You know, so-and-so lived a good life and, and, and still they died of cancer. There's a sense of entitlement in those words. There's a, sense of, there's a sense of God owes me something. We live in a world that's broken. <clears throat> and, 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 and why should I be exempt? Why should it be me and not someone else? And so I think that we have to understand there has to be a humility in those prayers for healing. Secondly, am I using the benefits of God's common grace the healing built into our bodies, and the medical knowledge that we have gained. You know, if you're disobeying your doctor and praying for healing, it's a bit sketchy, right? If your doctor said to you, you know, if you change your diet a little bit, you probably limit the problem here. If you, if you did this or you did that or whatever, if you say, nah, I don't want to do what the doctor says, I'll just go to church and I'll just pray. Wow. Examine yourself on that. Do I wrongly blame God for causing suffering? This we've talked about a lot. You can't not blame God for that. Suffering is not God's will. It's always the enemy. It's always the powers of darkness. This is, that's part of the curse that comes and, and Jesus has defeated on the cross. And fourthly, am I prepared for the possibility that physical healing may not take place in this life? I, I believe God heals, but I don't believe that it always happens. Someday, if the Lord doesn't come back before then, um, someday I'm going to die. 
and it'll probably be a disease that causes my death. That's a reality. Or an accident. Or some kind of, some kind of adverse thing. That's the reality. So at some point in time, I can't, I can't be guaranteed that I'm going to be healed and I have to submit to the timing of God and the timing of nature and when that takes place in my life. But in the same time, in those, the, the time I have, I can keep praying, I can keep living positively and trusting in God and his goodness and his favor in our lives. So every service we've been kind of closing off with a bit of practical time, and here's what I'd like you to do this morning. I'd like you to turn around and get a little group of three, four, five people, and I just like, maybe there's someone in that group that would like prayer for healing or knows of someone that needs healing. I'd like you to pray together for healing in someone's life today because you don't need me to pray the healing a prayer for healing. You don't need anybody else. Where two or three are gathered in Jesus' name, he's there, he's present, and can bring healing. So would you do that right now? Just turn around, and then in your group, just say, is there anybody that needs prayer today or anybody you know of that needs prayer today? And then just pray. Before Carol comes, I just want to quickly tell you a story that I want to encourage you with. So I'll give you just a moment to finish up your prayer, and then I'm going to tell you this story. So a few weeks ago, right here in our church, we, had, uh, we joined with uh, the gathering for one of our communion events. We call it communion union because we're two churches coming together working together and process and we've been having these worship and prayer nights um we've had about three of them now and uh a few we- a few weeks ago we had one it wasn't really well attended we didn't have a lot of people um and, uh, and i think some people were a bit discouraged by that i wasn't necessarily discouraged by it i think the right people were there but we prayed uh for several different things but we prayed for a, a young man named dan um, Dan is uh, he's a, an urban church planter in our city, and he works in cooperation with the gathering. And Dan has had recurring cancer. It's a very rare type of cancer. He had he's had surgery this uh, the, the week that we prayed for him. He was going in for his third surgery on the same cancer that uh, attaches to the outside of his lung. It's not lung cancer; it's a different kind of cancer. And I can't tell you what it is, but anyway. He, they had been to the doctor for his six months checkup since his last surgery in the summer. They were surprised that they found something on his lung again, and they were going directly in, doing surgery right away to remove it. They knew that it would probably come back. It's a type of cancer they can't eradicate. They knew it would come back, but they didn't think it was going to come back that quickly. Anyway, that week, on that Wednesday that week, he went in for surgery. And when the doctors, they opened him up and they... They, uh, they could not find what they saw on the scan. So, yeah. Now, that, that in itself has its own troubling side of it, worrying side of it for Dan, because, you know, and for the doctors, what did they see, what did they not see? And they can't, you know, they can't rule out anything, and they can't say he's cured or anything like that, but... We do know, and they actually spent a lot of time, they did a lot more surgery than they planned to because they had to go looking around in his 
chest cavity for what they saw on the, on the scans, and they could not find it. So Dan is rejoicing. We visited him in the hospital a week later, and I just want to encourage you with that story that sometimes when we get together, even just like this this morning, and you pray for one another, and we, 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 we just pray that prayer of faith, God is at work, and he can answer prayer. But like Shadrach and Meshach, when they were standing at the fiery furnace, they said, but even if he doesn't, we still believe him. We still trust in him. Lord, we just pray. We leave it in your hands, Lord God. We trust you. We love you. We thank you for these bodies you've given us. Thank you for how fearfully and wonderfully we're made. And thank you, Lord, for health and for healing. And Lord, those of us who've experienced sickness or suffering or pain know how how troublesome it is when our body isn't functioning the way it should. So, Lord, we just give ourselves to you, body, soul, and spirit. Make us well. Make us whole. Use us for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name.